Take your Bibles and turn with me this morning to Luke's Gospel, chapter 21. Luke chapter 21, we're at the first four verses of the chapter this morning as we continue studying through Luke's Gospel. At uh, first glance, the events of our our text this morning regarding this widow who comes and casts her might into the treasury, it can seem somewhat unrelated to all that's transpiring in the preceding and in the following events. Remember again where we are in the context that we're in that week between Jesus and His triumphal entry into Jerusalem and His death renders resurrection at the end of the week. And so with all that's taking place here, there are, needless to say, some big things that are happening. We see Jesus and we've encountered in all through Luke chapter 20, the, the encounters that Jesus has with His enemies going, as it were, round after round as they come with their attacks and their attempts to discredit Him, their attempts to be rid of Him, and Him answering them, Him silencing them, Him coming forth with His own questions, taking the initiative to even expose them. And here we are, Jesus has reached what has been clearly presented to us as His destination, His goal, all the way back from Luke chapter 9 has been clearly set before us. His goal is to go to Jerusalem. To arrive there. His planned destination. And to do what? And He's had the occasions, at least on three occasions, that He's spoke to His disciples and to His followers about His intent to go to Jerusalem. And there, that He will be killed. And then we have His enemies that have that strangely similar intention, don't they? That intention on their part, that He be killed, that He die. So is there any connection with all these major events that are transpiring here, and then thrust in the middle of it, this episode with this widow. And I think we can find a few connections to our text here, particularly in Luke's Gospel. First of all, we considered last week that Jesus has addressed the hypocrisy of the scribes there in the last part of chapter 20. So now, in contrast to that, He cites to them and to us as the beneficiaries of the divine inspiration of Scripture a model of not hypocrisy, but of sincerity. Sincere worship. Sincere and genuine love for God and the things of God. And also there is a connection, I think, to be made in the reproach that Jesus brings in chapter 20 against the, the scribes and the Pharisees and the warning that He, that he issues against them. And he speaks to them as those who, in verse 47, those who devour widows' houses. 
And here in our text, one of those widows is thrust before us and even elevated by Jesus to something of a model status. So not to take your your models for exemplary living from the scribes and the Pharisees, you beware of those. Beware of those who lives, live such lives of hypocrisy. And on the other hand, brings forth this widow as a model to be considered for life. So begin reading with me here in Luke chapter 21. Again, just the first four verses of this chapter. And he looked up and he saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury. And he saw a poor widow putting in two small copper coins. And he said, truly I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all of them. For they all out of their surplus put into the offering. But she out of her poverty put in all that she had to live on. We have all marveled at the skilled craftsmen who can take one item and transform it by the skill of their hands into a very valuable and priceless, in some cases, item. For example, we know that you can go to the store and you can lay down a few dollars and you can purchase a canvas and you can purchase some paints. But you take that canvas and you take those paints and you place them into the hands of a skillful artist. And when that person is done, he has taken what to us was canvas and paints with colors into a masterpiece. And we marvel at the abilities of such craftsmen who can do that. Taking something and changing its value something of, by making it of something of great beauty or something of great importance. You know, there are, sometimes you will see some of the people who will take something like uh, popsicle sticks. And they make these incredible castles and items and cities. I was, in one case, I saw a man who took toothpicks. You know, and just through a slow process of taking what is a very ordinary item. And by his own skill, he takes those things and places them together and can make all types of of what I would deem to be just incredible forms of art. As we look at our text here today, I think we have thrust before us something that can be related to that. We have an event here that would have, under normal circumstances, gone completely unnoticed. Except this circumstance, this event of this widow... Casting her coins into the treasury is taken into the hands of of the master craftsman, Jesus Christ. And it becomes to the disciples and to us something of great value because of the lessons that are given to the people of God. Such are the hands of our Christ, aren't they? That he can take what is seemingly an insignificant, unimportant event, person, and it becomes something great. 
becomes something that's a treasure, something of great value. And just as we would rightfully give praise to the artist who can take the canvas and the paints and make a work of beauty, it's right that we should also praise our God and glorify our, glorify our Christ who can take events of such ordinary circumstance. He can take people of such an ordinary cloth and use them for extraordinary things to teach the church to teach his disciples there at hand and to us generations later. And so that's my desire today as we think of this text that we see something of the ordinariness in this. Reminded that God sees and uses all of life as he wills. And that this is the God that we can glorify for such a care, such a compassion, and such an interest in the affairs of life. So let's look here at what Jesus, the master craftsman, what he takes into his hands and makes something of a treasure for us as the people of God to benefit from that even to our day as we read of this account. The first thing we see here is an inconspicuous contributor. Here Jesus is sitting in what's referred to as the the women's court. And it's the part of the, of the temple that's, that surrounds what is the inner sanctuary where women and men were allowed to come. So it's referred to as the women's court simply because it was accessible to women. And when the con, confines of that area, there were these 13 trumpet-shaped boxes that were used for receiving contributions. Hence... It's also referred to as the treasury here. And here Jesus, it says in our text here, verse 21, or chapter 21, verse 1. Jesus, he looked up and, and he saw the rich. He saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury. And that's certainly something that many of Jesus' time and of Jesus' day would have taken note. It would not have been unusual for many of those who were the, the Pharisees and the scribes, the hypocrites, to have done such things with great fanfare. Come and look and see what we give to the needy. What is, comes from our hands that they might be praised by men. But Jesus continues to observe. Jesus continues to gaze upon what is transpiring in this women's court with this treasury. When everyone else has lost, have lost interest. There's no one else of any significance coming. There's no more great fanfares being brought forth. Everyone is looking elsewhere. Except for Jesus. And Jesus, he sees what no one else noticed. When others had lost all interest in what was transpiring in that place. Because, again, all we see now is, according to our text here, a poor widow. Certainly not anyone of any great significance. 
A poor widow, not going to bring anything of any great significance, not going to do anything of any great significance. See, we have this widow, poor. The word there is a word that's very seldom used in the scriptures. It's the word of poor that has the idea of, in our, in our terminology, we would say she is dirt poor. She has virtually nothing. And it's certainly hardly worth anyone's notice or attention. And after all, this is a widow. And the widows were regarded as the non-contributing element of society. I mean, what does a widow have to offer? It wouldn't be unusual for widows to be cast into almost a beggarly place. Those to be pitied. Those to be assisted as even required in the Old Testament among the people of God. But those which are preferably unseen. But Jesus takes note. Jesus even takes special note. And he sees this poor widow and he sees her give these two small coins. Others take no notice. They're inclined to look other places. In fact, we see, Lord willing, next Sunday that they're going there enthralled with the temple itself. Verse 5. Some were talking about the temple. It was adorned with beautiful stones and votive gifts. They're just captivated by all they see around them. The beauty and the splendor of this building. And Jesus is zeroed in. On this widow. He deliberately takes note of this otherwise inconspicuous, inconspicuous contributor. What a Lord that we serve. What a gracious, condescending Lord that we serve. That we glorify our Heavenly Father who sees and He cares. He takes note of all His people. He knows all of those who are His. That there are none who are insignificant in His sight. That we're not lost in a sea of humanity. And that we're not even lost in the midst of a humanity of so many people who have so much more that they can give. So much more that they can do. And here in the midst of all that's taking place in this temple is this one little inconspicuous little woman. Widow. And Jesus takes note, special note, doesn't he? You know, it's easy to determine and decide that our value before God is based upon our value in comparison to other people. We see the resources of other people. We see the influence of others. We see even the contributions to the kingdom of God that other people can make. And we can look at ourselves and you say, you know, I'm really not important in the scheme of things here. I'm not really important to God. But you see, God here, we're reminded here that God sees and God takes note of all, doesn't he? Yes, Jesus sees the rich. He sees the rich putting in their contributions. And undoubtedly, there were those who were rich who had a heart for God, who loved God. And they would come and they would give. And Jesus sees that. But 
he also sees this this widow who comes and gives very little. God takes note of the rich. He takes note of the poor. God takes note of those in our society that they would regard as the movers and the shakers. But also God takes note of those who are his that we look at and say they really are the nobodies of society. God sees us. That if we are his people. He sees. He notes. That our value to God is not based upon comparisons to what others may do or what others can do. What other gifts and resources others may have when we seem to have so little. That our value to God is by virtue of the fact that He has set His eternal love upon us. Therefore, we are of great value to God. Because He chooses that we be of great value to Him. No, we don't need to fall into that mentality. Well, we must be worth something. Look what God has done. He gave His Son, after all, to redeem us. That's a reflection on the, on the character of God, not the value of what was redeemed. I'm of value to God because God has set His love. He has chosen, He has purposed that we be of value to Him. He has chosen us in our Lord Jesus Christ and that it is in Christ, it is in Christ that we have our identity before God. That God doesn't look to determine the value that we are of Him based upon anything else other than the fact we are in Christ. To be identified in Him. Not by what we have. Not by what we do not have. So we glorify our God. And we allow God to determine how conspicuous I may or may not be among men. But rest assured of His awareness of me. His cognizance of me. His care. For me as his child. And I think that there is an appropriate application here. For the day that's in upon us here. Mother's Day. That our mothers be reminded of the fact. That you are of great importance to God. We live in a society that devalues and underappreciates. The roles of mothers. And to be honest with you, to be a mother is to choose the role of a somewhat inconspicuous contributor. You know, there aren't a lot of awards going out for great homemakers and great, shall we use the word, housewives. Great mothers of their children. But mothers, you need to be reminded that you have a role of immeasurable value. And though you may be inconspicuous in a lot of ways, that you are dear to the heart of God because of your responsibility and the role that God has given you in the context of the home. No one else can take that place. So as inconspicuous as you may feel that you are, I'm really not very important in the big scheme of things. You are of great value to God. And listen to this. He takes note 
He takes note of the sacrifices that you may choose to make that you might train and raise your children. So here in the hands of Jesus, Jesus the master craftsman, he takes this inconspicuous contributor and teaches a valuable lesson, doesn't he? Of how important all of his people are to him. How he sees and he notes every detail. And we leave in his hands to what degree of inconspicuousness, if that's the word, or fame might come upon us. But we are of great value to him. Second thing we see here in the hands of Jesus. He takes an insignificant contribution. An insignificant contribution. If this widow in and of herself was one who was hardly noticed, and certainly that would have been the case, except that Jesus has made much of her. Certainly her gift is of little, if any, significance. What does she do? She comes, the scriptures tell us here, that she comes with her two small copper coins. If you just want to make the direct exchange of currencies, it's about a fourth of a cent and that's a direct exchange. That doesn't take into consideration the value of different currencies. But it's about a, a fourth of a cent she gave in. So if you can take your penny and spend it four ways, that's what she gave. The point here is that she gave what would be deemed by anyone under any circumstance a very insignificant amount. It's certainly insignificant in comparison to the gifts of the rich. I mean, there were those who were coming in and and no doubt putting in much more than that. And insignificant even as an asset to the treasury. I mean, how much is the treasury here going to benefit by her two coins being thrown in? But Jesus doesn't view it that way, does He? Jesus doesn't speak of it that way, does He? He says in verse 3 of our text, He said, Truly I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all. She's outdone them all. Again, Jesus emphasizes there her poverty. He doesn't just say this widow. He says, this poor widow. Poor. She's given more than them all. One that is so lightly esteemed, whose gift is deemed to be so insignificant, receives the commendation here from Jesus because of what she does, because of what she gives. Now, how can Jesus, with a straight face and in all honesty, make such an assessment? I mean, it's be honest, Jesus. She has only given a fraction of what 
Others have given here to the treasury. How can you, in any sense of the word, say she has given more? And the answer to that is in verse 4. Jesus says, For they, they all out of their surplus, they put into the offering. But she, out of her poverty, out of her nothingness, She put in all that she had to live on. They gave out of their their surplus, their abundance, something that was hardly missed because there was much that was retained. She gives out of her poverty all that she has to live on. She had nothing, but she gave anyway, even to the point of great personal cost. Why would she do that? Because in her thinking, in her mind, charity for God's work is more important than my personal comfort, my convenience, or even my survival. Boy, are we convinced of that? The giving to the things of God are more important than my comfort and my convenience or even my existence. so she places herself in the hands of of God's care. She gives what she has, which is next to nothing. And she has nothing left. Placing her hands if she's to be sustained by the grace of God. How I provide for myself today doesn't matter. That's God's concern. I'm going to give. She prefers to do without than to do nothing. What a sacrifice. I'm going to do something. Even if it means I have nothing. She gave more because she retained less. Some have looked at this and thought, you know, this really wasn't necessary. It wasn't really even that wise of a thing to do. I mean, let's get practical here. She's going to benefit from these two coins much more than the temple treasury is going to benefit. I mean, who's going to notice? You know, we do the offerings every now and then. will tell me sometimes that in one of the boxes back here, there's a couple of pennies thrown in there. You know, use it for the glory of God. But, you know, who's going to notice? You know, how far is that going to be stretched in the economy? How many people are going to be, if you know, depending on which she gave in two, 13 options there for these monies to go help. Who's going to really be helped by that little insignificant amount? And who's going to miss it if it's not put in there? Use it for yourself. You, in fact, need it. More than it's needed in the the temple treasury. One of the writers that I enjoy reading and and sermon preparation going through Luke's gospel is a a C.H. Linsky. He is a Lutheran writer. But has some real warm insights that I benefit from. And I just want to read 
with you just a few comments that he makes on this this text. He says she has speaking of this widow. She has been judged by worldly wisdom, which declares that she should have kept the money for her support. And that as far as the temple was concerned, her gift amounted to nothing. So keep it for your own support. Then he asked, why was it that Judas objected to the richer offering of Mary, the richer offering of Mary and Bethany? You remember when she, when she came and she poured out the oil on Jesus? What did Judas object? Well, this should have been used for the poor. And what do we see there? There's another example. There's, there's worldly wisdom. Worldly wisdom that would fault those who would spend too much on Christ. And in the case of this widow here, would fault those who give so little that it amounts to so little. Keep it for yourself. You need it. And Linsky goes on. He says, worldly wisdom always makes a fool of itself. It does, doesn't it? In the case of the widow, it sees neither the faith and the trust that filled the woman's heart, nor the true act of worship she performed. All these are more more precious in Jesus' eyes than were the largest gifts that were bestowed by the Jews in the temple that day. Hypocrites attempt to imitate this widow's gift and think that if they give all their living, God will have to provide for them. But God cannot be thus bought or tempted. Poverty may be a great curse as well as a great blessing. It becomes a curse when it fills the heart with anxious care and worry. It becomes a blessing when it impels the poor man to cast himself upon God who has promised to care for for his children. So to those who would object that this money would have been better served keeping it herself. As Linsky says, worldly wisdom always makes a fool of itself. <laughs> and it does. Because it can't see what's really going on here. Those things that are precious in Jesus' eyes. Faith and the trust that fills her heart. And the true act of worship. That she performed. So what are we to make of this insignificant contribution? I think this. As the people of God. That we ought to be a people that are marked by generosity. We ought to be a people that are marked by generosity and compassion. For those who have less. Those who have open hands. Those who are willing to share. I was reminded of a conversation I had some few months ago with a family. And they were sharing some of the hard times that they had gone through years back. And there were those occasions when they didn't have groceries. And they didn't have money for groceries. And so they would pray and ask the Lord for provision. And this couple shared how that there were those occasions that someone would come and knock on their door. And leave groceries upon their doorstep and there were also those occasions when that would happen that they would become for some strange reason aware of another family who is in likewise 
perilous situations and who would have needs. And so they would take these groceries that had been placed upon their doorstep for them and they would share it with another family. It's easy to get into survival mode, isn't it? I just want to exist. And my existence becomes paramount. And what a testimony this widow is to us of her existence is not paramount. Worship of God is. I will do something. I will give something as an act of worship before God. And I am cast upon the Lord's mercies to have a meal for tomorrow. Oh, for the grace to trust God to provide again rather than to close our hearts. And it's easy. Hey, I'm the one that has needs here. It's not time for me to be giving. Jesus' words are something like this. Freely you've received, freely give. I find this testimony greatly troubling to my own heart. I tell Beth on occasion, she'd give away the house if I'd let her. <laughs> God's given me a generous wife who has a heart of compassion. And, and you know how we are at this point financially. You know, we live by what the church is able, but we trust the Lord for the rest. And there's times that some excess comes in from here and there. And Beth is ready to give it to the world. I said, hold on <laughs> to this. And what a conviction it brings to my heart to say that many times I have been in survival mode. Freely you've received. Freely give. So whether we be those of great means or those who have little, that let us be those who purpose to give in a manner that is commendable. This woman is recognized, no doubt. But there are those who give, who are wealthy, who are rich, and who give generously. And are to be commended and are commended and honored by God for their generosity. The principles of, of 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and chapter 9. A good place to begin. Just to begin to read that. What are the principles that are there? That we give in a way that is full of faith. We give in a way that's a demonstration of, of trusting God. That we give as an expression of worship to God. That we're mindful that it is a gift from God to me and that I am free to give to, to others. And that we give for God's glory. So what may appear to be an insignificant contribution in our minds can be of great value. And moms, what may appear, appear to be in your mind an insignificant contribution that you may make in the lives of your children. Let me tell you, ladies, it is no small matter. 
I was just thinking as I was preparing for this, this message. Some of the things I remember about my mother. It's always a dangerous place to go. Because we would oftentimes joke with our mother about as we had grown up and we would tease her about uh, some of the ways that she would correct us. And she would admit, not always God honoring, but we know we got a big laugh out of it some years later. But at the same time, I remember those significant contributions that my mother made. My, mo- my dad traveled on weekends as a musician, was gone a lot of weekends. My mother was the one who largely saw to it that we were in church. She made those sacrifices. And what might look to be an insignificant contribution, I look back on now and I treasure those things. I value those things. And so, ladies, never underestimate the value of the sacrifices that you make. What may appear to be, in your mind, such an insignificant contribution may be in years to come the very things that your your children remember. I remember my mother was... <clears throat> you know, just the atmosphere of the home, how the mother affects that. And my mother, she loved to sing. Now, my dad was the musician and the singer. He did it professionally. My mother loved to sing, and it wasn't the singing of a trained voice. But it was the singing of a joyful heart. And we had a two-story old farmhouse, and I could hear my mom downstairs in the kitchen and oftentimes on the mornings preparing Breakfast or just sometimes just being up before we were up. And I can hear the songs coming up the stairs. (laughs) Hardly a significant contribution in the mind of my mother, if you were to ask her. And my mother oftentimes would, would trouble. She would say, even as she was near death, and we had some discussions, and she would felt like she said, well, I've... What have I done except prepare food and wash clothes and all that kind of stuff? Never underestimate what may be, in your mind, an insignificant contribution of being faithful. Being faithful in the little things. And finally, we see here... Jesus takes into his hands what is an incidental circumstance. You know, in light of the surrounding events, remember again, what's going on here? This This is the Passion Week. In light of all the surrounding events, this widow's gift seems somewhat trivial. That this event is noticed at noticed at all and that finds a place in scripture seems somewhat odd and our lord makes much of it doesn't he mark tells us in his account of this event in mark chapter 12 verse 43 jesus gathers his disciples you know what they're doing they're they're attuning to more important things they're gawking at the temple and at its glory and at its size and all these things and it's jesus call hey hey disciples y'all come y'all come here come here come here come here come, here. come in he calls them all in and then he gives 
the solemnity to what's about to come forth from his lips. And he says there in verse 3, Truly I say to you... And we've considered in the past of how that phrase is one to emphasize the importance of what he's about to speak, the truthfulness of it. Truly, I say to you, I say to you is the authority of God Himself. This is a statement of truth from the mouth of God. Give heed to it. And then, again, much made of it by the Inspiration of the Holy Scripture, Holy Spirit, by virtue of the fact that here it is recorded in the Scriptures. Luke records it. Mark records it. I mean, my first look when I read this text, I thought I got to preach on this. I thought, man, this doesn't belong here. I got nothing. <laughs> but suddenly, what is? An incidental, a trivial circumstance, it becomes rather important, doesn't it? When Jesus calls His disciples, when Jesus utters these words, Truly I say to you, here's up, listen up. And then here it is in Scripture for us to consider, 2,000 years later. It becomes more important, doesn't it? It reveals to us the grace and the compassion of Jesus when it would be rightfully understood if Jesus were self-consumed at this point in His ministry. I mean, after all, He's at the, he's at the pinnacle. He has come to Jerusalem to die. He's within four days of this event. And here He is taking note of a widow, poor widow, casting in a fourth of a cent into the treasury. commends this otherwise obscure and unnoticed poor widow teaches lesson to his disciples and teaches the church throughout history we don't know when Jesus did this we don't know if this was something that this widow was aware of or not the scripture doesn't tell us you know, did Jesus do this in such a way that, you know, that she became aware that, oh, everybody's looking at me? Or did she give and go and Jesus kind of quietly to his disciples there spoke to them about this widow? You know, we don't know which way it happened. But let's just suppose that it were the latter, the latter way. That Jesus did it in a way where this widow is completely unaware. And can you imagine this widow going back and maybe meeting with some friends, maybe whatever family she may have had in proximity to her. Oh, how was your day today? Anything of any great significance? No. Just an ordinary day. And you look at what's happened because of what that widow did. You look at the lives that have been taught and benefited because of what this widow did. And perhaps, perhaps, then she was completely oblivious to it all. We don't know. But it is something to think of, isn't it?
So we choose to leave in God's hands what He would make of any deed that we perform or what He would make of our lives in their entirety. That God can take here an obscure widow with her incidental gift, this incidental event that takes place and accomplish so much good from that, I can believe that He can use me if He so pleases, if He so chooses. You know, oftentimes as a pastor, I am surprised that what someone will say will speak to them from a message. (laughs) How often I've put the message together and thought, man, I've got, here's the statement, I'm going to thrust it out with power, and they're all going to be laid back and plaster their seats, unable to move. That's going to get them all. And then someone will come to me after the service and maybe make a comment about the message and said, when you made this statement, that really spoke to me. The Lord really used that. And that's not even in my notes. Sometimes I can't even remember saying it. I don't know what you're talking about. When I was in Bible school, the director of the school, we were... I've heard of you before that one of the things that we did, we had a Monday night Bible class sermon. People from the community would come, but on Tuesday mornings in Bible school, we would discuss the previous nights before. And, you know, the question was, well, and you had, this made you go with attentive ears as the director would might just call you and say, Randy, what did the Lord say? He's an Australian. Randy, what did the Lord say to you last night? <laughs> so you made sure you got something. And there would be those occasions when he would ask someone and say, well, what did the Lord speak to you about last night and last night's message? And, and I can remember those occasions someone would say, well, the Lord spoke to me through someone's prayer. You know what the Lord can take and use? which in our mind may be such an incidental event, such an incidental, trivial circumstance, but God is free to take that to make as much or as little as He wills of any circumstance, of any event in our lives. And we give glory to Him. He is free to use any deed however small it may seem in our minds, to accomplish untold good. And there is another application, mothers, isn't there? To take what may seem to you the deeds that seem so small, that seem to be so trivial, that seem to be so insignificant, And God is able to take that and to speak volumes to your children. What a God. The the message is entitled, Big Truths and Small Realities. That's our God, isn't it? That He can take in His hands as a master craftsman 
an inconspicuous contributor who's of great value to him. He notes. He can take an insignificant contribution and teach eternal values and lessons to his disciples and to the church to us today. And take an incidental circumstance. But you to even ask this lady herself, anything of any concern today? Nothing. Went to the temple. Came home. And look what's been accomplished. This is the God whom we glory in. That we do not despise the little things. That God is free to use what He will in our lives. God is free to use as much or as little of our lives as He chooses. And we can't always figure out what He's going to use, can we? Oftentimes surprised. But we leave it in His hands. And we glorify Him. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank You for such a a lesson to our hearts today. When many of us would be tempted to look at this and think, well, I am much like this widow. I really have nothing to contribute. But that's not the lesson. The lesson here is what would God make of me? And that's sufficient. So, Lord, we ask that you would help us. Lord, to live in a, a state of contentment with where you've placed us. To joy in the opportunities of ministry that are before us. Pray for our moms. Pray for moms here today who are in the throes of training children. And can oftentimes have that sense that there is nothing of any true value going on here. While I'm in the laundry room or while I'm in the kitchen. And yet immeasurable things are possible because of the greatness of our God. Help us, Lord, to be faithful. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.